Science on the Menu, a podcast by the European Food Safety Authority. Hello and welcome to another episode of Science on the Menu. My name is Ed Bray and I work in EFSA's communications team. And joining me today is Christina Croera from EFSA's food contact materials team. Hi, Christina. Hi, Ed. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about food contact materials. Now, if you're listening at home and you're about to have something to eat, a snack while you're listening, the food contact materials could be many things. They could be the plate, for example, that you might eat your snack on. They could be the knife and fork you use to eat it. It could be the packaging that comes with the food, or it could even be the glass that you're about to drink some water from. So that these are just a few examples. There are many. Christina, can you give us some more examples of food contact materials and where we find them actually in our everyday lives? Food contact material, as you said, indeed, Ed, are, uh, are material that can come into contact with food and drinks. Uh, and so, of course, they are uh, the final products. They are in the final products like, uh, like uh, bottles, reusable bottles, uh, cutlery dishes, but also the equipment that are used to produce this final material or are in containers for water or for coffee machine, these kind of things, whatever can be in contact with the drinks or food that uh, we, we are exposed to. Okay. And... Yeah, for the food chain to be safe, the food needs to be safe, but obviously also all of these uh, materials that come in contact with the food, uh, there needs to be a level of safety as well for the consumer. And this is where EFSA comes in. Um, what, what are some of the potential risks from the food contact materials for the consumer? The risk indeed uh, can come from the fact that uh, some traces of this material can migrate into the food or into the drinks. So we have to be sure that uh, this amount is not affecting the health of the consumers. And so this is why the scientists of EFSA um, evaluate these substances um, and provide some safe levels to the legislators, of course. A typical safe level that EFSA sets is, uh, is named tolerable daily intake. That is a, an amount of substance that can be ingested daily over a lifetime without producing an appraisable risk. So this is the, the usual, the standard uh, value that is uh, provided by the evaluation by EFSA. Okay. And are there factors that um, that affect the, the the level, the speed of of migration of these substances into to food. Yes, uh, there are some um, elements that could alter this migration. For instance, the the temperature. So, if a material is used not according to the indication given on the label, for instance, this could create a, a major risk. Uh, the using, for instance, in microwave where it's not uh, foreseen. But also if um, a container is scratched, for instance, uh, from after a long use, um, the material is not uh, anymore uh, as it was, and this could create also a major release of the compound of the material. Okay, so it'd be a good idea then for whoever it is to to throw that one away and to, to buy a new... Yes, absolutely. Okay, and once you've set this level, what happens then? How can we ensure that uh, consumers are below that, that safe level? 
This is a matter up to the EU legislators, meaning that they take our tolerable daily intake and they convert it in a specific migration limit. And this, in order that the exposure of the consumer is below the TDI that we have set. And what I find interesting is that uh, there are many different types of food contact material. We could be talking about plastic, which I think is the most common, but there's others. It could be ceramics, it could be glass, uh, even metal, I imagine. Yes, sure, indeed. And plastic is the most common and is also the one uh, mainly more regulated at the level of the European Commission. But there are a specific regulation also for the other materials, uh, usually at the level of member state, for instance. So we've talked a bit about what food contact materials are in general and that there are substances in there that could migrate into the foods and therefore they need to be checked and levels need to be safe for consumer. Let's look at those substances now. Um, one of the most well-known, at least among consumers, is bisphenol A. People know it as BPA. We recently did uh, a new evaluation of the safety of BPA. So first, can you tell us a bit about BPA? Where can we find it? Yeah. Uh, and then we'll move on to the evaluation we did. Yes, you are right. Uh, we have just produced an evaluation, a new evaluation uh, in April last year, this year. And um, bisphenol A is a substance that is produced together with other um, materials to produce some plastics, uh, polycarbonate plastic in particular. It is a kind of material rigid and transparent that it used to, to produce uh, re reusable bottles uh, uh, mainly and containers, but also is used to produce, uh, produce epoxy resins that are in the protective linings of the internal cans and vats. So this is also a wider use of this material and that affects uh, the, our daily life. Okay. And, and what did we conclude then in our evaluation? In our evaluation, we have concluded that uh, there is an health effect of this substance for all the age groups of the population. Okay, so we found this uh, potentially adverse outcome. And then what do we do then? We, we lowered the TDI in this yes, case. Yes, indeed, uh, we lowered the TDI 20,000 times with respect to the previous one that we set in 2015. That was set, uh, however, on a temporary basis because already at the time we identified some uh, potential effects at the level of the immune system, but the data set was a bit weak, was a bit poor, and we knew that something new was coming in the next year. And that's why we evaluated the, in, a big quantity of new data that permitted to to cover the uncertainty that we found at that time, and we identified this lower level of uh, concern. And that's why we reduced the tolerable daily intake uh, so much. Okay, so what happens now? What's gonna happen next? We know that there's this potential risk um, from uh, materials that, that contain BPA. What's going to be done about it? Now, this uh, opinion that uh, was developed by our expert, of course, will be discussed at the level of the EU legislators, and they will decide uh, what to do, meaning uh, if to ban the substance or to um, introduce uh, uh, limits of uh, migration even lower than the one that were already set at the time of the previous opinion. 
So now it's uh, in their hand in order to decide uh, w- what will be the best solution, the best action in order to protect the consumers. Okay. Uh, well, that's an interesting example of one of the substances in a food contact material. And there are, I imagine, many others that we will assess uh, and similarly come up with outcomes where the legislators will act. I wanted to move on to another area of work in the field of food packaging and food contact materials, and that's related to recycling, because I know that um, the plastics on the market, they can also be recycled and then used in, in food packaging. What, what does EFSA do in relation to, to food um, to the recycling of, of packaging? Yes, you are right. The recycling plastics particularly is uh, of uh, much relevance, also considering the, the approach of the EU legislator at the moment uh, with the, the Green Deal, etc. EFSA deals with this, of course, because uh, there could be an issue using plastic that can be recycled because it could contain residual level of uh, substance that contaminated this material. So for instance, if uh, bottles uh, were used not for food, but uh, containing other liquids, uh, alcohols, uh, gasoline, whatever, so a, a misuse of the substance, we have to be sure that no residues of this can remain in the, in the plastic. So what EFSA does is to assess the process by which the original plastic is converted to a recycled one. And um, so this process has to be evaluated as safe by EFSA and then authorized by the European legislators. Okay, so essentially each process that is used to recycle plastic has got a kind of green light, a safety green light, and then an approval. Exactly. Every process. It's an industrial process. which uh, deal with um, passing this material through high temperature, high pressure, and um, in order to release all the contami- possible contaminants that could be there. Okay. I find it interesting. I think I see a kind of tension between the environmental goals of increasing recycling, of reuse, etc. cetera, uh, a tension between that and possible risks, actually, from the food safety perspective. Would you agree? Yes, it's true. It's correct. Uh, there should be a right balance. Uh, we have, If we recycle, we have to be sure that the process is safe. Otherwise, uh, but th- this is the case indeed, otherwise the process uh, is not authorized. Okay, so the first step is always safety, yes. uh, but with the greater goal of environmental sustainability in exactly. mind. Exactly. So for sure, we are in this direction already because some replacements have been already put in place using, for instance, bamboo, wood, so natural material. But uh, plastics still remain one of the safer ones. So um, we can we can go in this direction to find the right balance between the two aspects that you have mentioned. Okay, and presumably all of these replacement materials need to be checked Uh, for their safety as well. Absolutely. Indeed, uh, with plastic, of course, we have lots of data and and usually we are very sure about our outcomes. The same we have to do with the possible alternatives. And can we talk a bit about some of the the future trends also Mm -hmm. in packaging? Uh, I see I've heard about, for example, active 
materials, active packaging, and intelligent packaging. What are those? Yes, these are material quite recent, but very interesting. They are already in place on the market. And what are they? The, the active contact material are the material that can absorb or release substances in order to uh, improve, for instance, the shelf life of the food or the, the quality. So, for instance, uh, are uh, oxygen scavengers. So they are uh, they act as antioxidant of the food, or uh, they can be antimicrobial. Uh, they can be um, CO two emitters. So they they change in some way the atmosphere inside the, the packaging in order to to preserve the food. Yeah. While uh, the intelligent food content material act more as indicators of the status of the food so they they monitor it's a, they are used as monitor of the of the status so for instance the temperature the pH of the food the humidity so our our sensor that uh, they can give us indication on how it is the status of the food so it's very interesting this uh, this kind of material are very interesting because uh, they help us uh, to provide the good quality food and um, in terms of uh, exactly of quality but also as a long um, preservation yeah and presumably reduce food waste as well because yes exactly you know if there's this antioxidant effect presumably you know less less food has the potential to go to spoilage is that right absolutely you're right Okay, that's really interesting. And you said that's something that we see on the market already now. Is that mm -hmm. something that we expect to grow in the future? I expect so because um, guidelines has been set already some years ago. So we receive um, some uh, application by the industry in this direction. And um, so the, the technology, of course, is improving. And so I guess um, we will find new materials always more improving the quality and the shelf life of the, of the food. Okay, so that's something for our consumers listening to, to look out for in the future. Yeah. Uh, a final question for you, uh, Christina. I'm interested to know how you find yourself in the food contact materials team at EFSA. What, what did you do before? <laughs> uh, thanks for the question. Uh, my previous life was uh, in the research, of course, and then I pass uh, on the other side and the regulatory level. It's very interesting. But once I, I started in EFSA, it was not on food contact material, but it was about uh, smoke flavorings that are uh, substances added to, to food in order to create an aroma. Uh, but very soon I moved to to food contact materials, I find them very interesting, and I'm I'm sure we'll uh, meet other challenges in this area um, in the near future after this uh, big evaluation of bisphenol A that I was involved with. Thank you very much, Christina, for joining us on, on today's podcast. Thank you, Ed. It was a pleasure for me. And I hope everyone at home, you've enjoyed listening to it. Please do subscribe uh, to our podcast on your favorite uh, channel and look out for us also on uh, social media where you will find us uh, posting and uh, putting out information on our podcast. But that's all we have time for today. Uh, thanks for listening and hope uh, to join you again next time. <laughs>